This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. A few years ago, I joined a very close friend who is also a business associate for a meal at a restaurant that was well known in this area for having very good food. Big name people, uh, government officials, the, even the Secretary of State had dined at this restaurant because its, its fame had spread for miles and miles around. And the meal that we had there was extremely tasty, sweet as, as, in, as it entered my mouth. But for both my business associate and for myself, the after effects of that meal lasted for days and days and days. Honestly, I felt like I was taking death itself and shoving it into my stomach. It was the most horrific food poisoning that I've ever had in my life. And it's likely the worst food poisoning that I will ever get in my life. For my business associate, it was the same experience. We both spent days traveling between our bed and the bathroom, into our bed into the bathroom. The momentary sweet taste that we had in our mouths was long forgotten after we suffered through this. And afterwards, I commented to others about this experience that we had every time the restaurant was mentioned. Others had similar stories to tell about the same restaurant and the general consensus among everybody that I spoke to that was that the food tasted really good but it made you really sick. But there were others however, a lot of the older folks they had known that restaurant for years and they had very very good memories of that restaurant and while so many people described this food poisoning and how awful it was these old-timers that were living on old memories would argue that well they they must have just had a bad experience what they did not realize is that they were not seeing the underlying problem of food poisoning. And they were basing their entire argument on days gone by.
And this is exactly what we see in the cult of William Branham today. I've heard many pastors in the cult of William Branham who are trying to hold on to that very last brick while the wall falls down around it. And they say the very same thing to anyone who questions what is going on inside their own churches. They say, well, they must have left because they had a bad experience. And typically in these stories, I am their prime example. Since I came out of the cult church in Jeffersonville, Indiana, the most legalistic church in the entire following, I'm the prime example. But see, what they don't realize, and it's comical, is that I did not grow up in Jeffersonville. I did not grow up in Macon, Georgia. Although I was there, I did not grow up in Tucson, Arizona, though I was there. I went to all these churches, but I even went to other churches beyond that. You see, my father was a wanderer, and we went to many cult churches in many different states. We went to cult churches that lived grace-filled lives. Then we went to some that, like Jeffersonville that denied grace for law, and others that just simply didn't understand the two at all. I tasted the sweet dessert of the Branhamite cult, and it tasted good. But sometimes, like that restaurant experience, the taste can never be good enough to make you want to endure the sickness. And I use the word sickness with multiple meanings here. Those of you who actually take the time to read my testimony in, in my book, Seek Ye the Truth, know that this cult has taken and led my life down a path that led into deep depression, just as it has led many, many others in the same pathway. We actually have groups established for those who have depression from being in this cult. But even that sickness is just like the first warning signs that I had when I received the food poisoning in the restaurant. It was just a warning sign. The worst is yet to come. And when I say worst, the worst that I'm talking about is the spiritual sickness. This body means nothing, but the spiritual sickness will take your, your eternal destination and point it in the wrong direction. Denying the truth to believe a lie is spiritual sickness. What the cult pastors do not realize is that the quickly growing number of people that are now standing up against these false doctrines and failed prophecies of the cult have absolutely nothing to do with bad experiences. In fact, if you talk to most of them, most of them will tell you that they had a pretty good life in this cult. I will tell you, I had a pretty good life in this cult. It led me down a path of depression, which may have been some of my own doing. I had a pretty decent life in this cult, so good that I told others about it but I was telling others about the sweet taste in my mouth, not the bitterness in my stomach. You see, if it were just as simple as a bad experience, 
I don't think any single one of us would waste a moment's time in our lives to tell others about this truth, to tell others that this guy lied to you. I don't think any of us would waste a single minute. All this does when we stand for the truth is make about two to four million people worldwide angry at us. There is no reward for what we do here on earth. Not a single reward. The cult pastors, they have studied and studied and studied the sermons of William Branham so much that they have completely forgotten the words of the Bible. Otherwise, they would never make these statements. They have forgotten the many, many stories in the Old Testament of how the children of Israel continually fell into idolatry and how repentance came and after repentance there was a stand for the truth. When Hezekiah, when he became king, his fathers and the fathers of the people worshipped the brass serpent and it was set up by Moses directed by God and this brass serpent brought healing to the people. Good things came to the people through this serpent. But the serpent was making people sick. It was making people spiritually sick. The people had started worshiping the serpent as an idol. Year after year, the children of Israel brought their, their offerings to the serpent. And Hezekiah could see that this brass serpent, though good was coming from it, was making people spiritually sick. And I'm sure that the people did not see that this brass serpent had become an idol to them. The serpent had a healing ministry that would have dwarfed William Branham's healing ministry. Because this brass serpent needed no prayer cards with their names and addresses written on them. It, it was a miracle, this brass serpent. And I'm sure that the old-timers stood up and told Hezekiah, who was a youngster, that he just had a bad experience. There were probably groups of people that had fallen further into idolatry than other groups of people, like Jeffersonville versus wherever you go, and maybe they told Hezekiah that he just needed to experience one of the other groups that are worshiping the idol. Because they're better than this other group over here that are worshiping the idol. But see, they were spiritually sick. And Hezekiah could not see it. And the story continues over and over and over and over all through the Old Testament. The names change, the situation changes but the story remains the same. Mankind falls into idolatry. Someone learns the truth. Someone spreads the truth to others. It's the Old Testament. That's what the book is about. But it doesn't stop with the Old Testament. The cult pastors have actually forgotten the entire New Testament. Every single person converted to Christ, from the least to the greatest, as soon as they learned about Christ, they told others the truth.
When the truth is learned, the truth is spread. That's how it works in the Bible. It started with John the Baptist. When he learned the truth, when he was told by God that there would soon be the Messiah, he proclaimed it. Even before he knew who Christ was, John the Baptist was spreading the truth. Luke 10, it describes 72 people who learned the truth of Christ. And their primary ambition, actually their only ambition, was to tell others what they learned. Every example, if you actually read this book, if, you, if the pastors are actually opening the covers of the good book instead of the little book with all the lies in it, they would see that what they're saying is contradictory to the Bible. My favorite in the entire New Testament is the story of Paul. Paul was a sinner, and he was guilty of persecuting Christians to the extent that he even approved of the stoning of Stephen. And in most cult churches today, if this were to have happened in our day, Paul's sins would be so great that the cult pastors and the cult congregations would never allow Paul to stand behind their pulpit because they don't understand the Bible. Paul's conversion was nothing less than fantastic, but there is one thing that is for certain. When Paul learned the truth, he did not keep it to himself. Otherwise, we would have very little Christian churches today. It was because Paul decided to tell others the truth that the gospel was spread to the nations. And heretics infiltrated the churches. Gnostics. And the books of the New Testament all have warnings about these people who are teaching false doctrine. They're talking about false prophets that will rise, false teachers. Every single book. You'll be shocked if you open it and actually read it. In fact, the entire book of Jude is nothing more than a warning of the entire Gnostic teachings, the same teachings that William Branham was influenced by. Had Jude learned the truth and decided to keep it for himself, there would be no book of Jude. And while some could argue that Branham's including of her heretic teachings from the Gnostics was, oh, just because he was a man and he made mistakes like a man. We don't see Jude proclaiming this way to others. We don't see Jude saying, Ah, oh, just ignore those Gnostics. They're just men and they make mistakes. How would the book of Jude read if he did this? It's absolutely and utterly nonsense. Let's examine Jude's writings and compare it to what your cult pastors are telling you about these people who are having bad experiences. Jude, talking against the heretics, talking against the Gnostics who influenced the teachings of the book of Enoch that William Branham taught, of the deity that Christ was almost equal to, if not equal to, Satan, uh, serpent seed, the list goes on and on and on. Throughout Branham's entire ministry, the Gnostics had influenced him, 
And Jude's book is about Gnostics. So that is the background for this that we're about to read. Jude writes this, Beloved, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, in other words, I wanted to write something uplifting. He says next, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once delivered to all the saints. Now stop and think, that faith, who was that in? William Branham? Or was that faith in Jesus Christ? He says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people, who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality, and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. He says, Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. Now I want to pause here because some of you are thinking did not believe, well maybe they did not believe in Christ. If you go study the Gnostics, they were incorporating into Christianity false doctrine, lies, <laughs> the very thing William Branham does. <laughs> he continues to say, and the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority but left their proper dwelling, he, God, has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. <laughs> and I said eternal with, with some great emphasis there, because if you'll remember, William Branham said, oh, hell might last five minutes. This is eternal fire. He says, yet, in like manner, these people also relying on their dreams. I have a vision, and I see this egg-shaped chariot running through, and it's going to hit some kind of a cow with antlers that are 42 inches. has absolutely nothing to do with Christ. Nothing. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. He says, but when the archangel Michael... Now remember, that's the one that William Branham said, <laughs> that angel that was Jesus Christ. When Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. He called on Christ to rebuke Satan. But these people who blaspheme, all that they do, they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Jude says, Woe unto them, for they walked in the way of Cain. What did Cain do? Cain had false worship. Walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the gain's sake of Balaam's error. 
What did Balaam do? Balaam was a sorcerer and a soothsayer. A guy who was making up his own prophecies or getting it from somewhere besides Yahweh until he had one prophecy from Yahweh about the coming Messiah. Yet, William Branham said Balaam had the same anointing as Moses. He says, Balaam's Aaron perished in Korah's rebellion. He says, these are hidden reefs at your love feasts. In other words, when they come to fellowship with you, they're a hidden reef there. And he says, as they feast with you without fear, now listen to this part, shepherds feeding themselves. Think about William Branham's entire ministry. If you take it chronologically, start to finish, was it the people he was feeding, or was he feeding his own esteem? Because he starts out humble with, let's draw a bigger circle around everyone else to, well, those people are the devil, let's avoid those guys, and they're going to be the ones to face me at judgment, boo. <laughs> He's building himself up. It's shepherds who are feeding themselves. He calls them waterless clouds. When you're looking for the rain to come, and you see the cloud coming, and you're expecting some good rain from it, and nothing comes, he's saying that these people are the same. They're speaking to you, but nothing good is coming from it. Swept along by winds. Now that one is interesting. Think about all the different heresies that William Branham brought from Charles Taze Russell, from Joseph Smith, from John Alexander Dowie, from the Gnostics in the Book of Enoch, from George Lamza, Clarence Larkin. I mean, the list goes on and on. Schofield. Most of William Branham's divine revelations come from Schofield. And Schofield's reference, if you really study it, doesn't look to align with the scriptures very much. They're swept along like winds, back and forth. He says, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam from their own shame. Now that's what we're seeing today in this cult. The only problem is the guy's long dead. His sons are reaping the benefit. But the foam of his shame is now coming up. Sadly, his family's got to deal with it. Wandering stars, for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. So I've just read to you part of Jude. And now ask yourselves, does Jude seem to you like a man who got just a little bad taste in his mouth from a bad meal? Does Jude sound like someone who's looking back to the old days when things were good, at how sweet things tasted in the pagan world? Is that what Jude sounds like to you? Or is Jude sick to his stomach with excruciating pain from this spiritual sickness that has entered into the church? Oh, <laughs> and for those of you who, who have learned the truth and are spreading it, don't get discouraged. Don't get down about it in your stand for the truth. Although it seems like there's very little reward in what you're doing, 
God sees what you're doing. And I just want to remind you by example of that restaurant. So that restaurant I mentioned, the one where the old timers loved it, the, new, the people were realizing they were getting food poisoning from it, it's no longer in business. As soon as enough people get spiritually sick, this business will shut down. 